great to be back, and I'm excited to continue this, uh, this series with you, Wisdom for Life, that we've been going through, uh, the book of Proverbs, this summer. So if you have your Bibles, you can go, go ahead and open up to Proverbs, uh, but I will give you this warning at the top. Uh, Proverbs, as we mentioned earlier on, is divided into two sections. Okay, the first nine chapters are a series of discourses and teachings, that just, you know, we've been looking at, at chunks up to this point of text, like, okay, this is what we're looking at, this is the theme for the day. Uh, the second half of Proverbs, chapters 10 through 31, is comprised of a series of short, pithy sayings, uh, which are all kind of over the place, and they're just kind of said one after another, and so we're going to pull them together and look at them more thematically. In other words, I'm, that's my way of saying we're going to be jumping around a lot today, um, but following one topic, Okay. And the topic today that we're looking at is the all-important topic of pride. We're going to be be talking about uh, pride today. Uh, In 1942, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. Have any of you guys read The Screwtape Letters? You guys? Uh, The Screwtape Letters, uh, when it was first published, 1942, uh, instantly became an international hit. I mean, just it, it, it shot up in the charts, and it actually landed Lewis on the cover of Time magazine that same year which is really intriguing because of the content of the book, what the book is about. Uh, It's a fictional account of two demons strategizing how to tempt people. Go figure. That would be a book that not just was popular in the Christian world, it was popular among among the masses. It just shot up in the charts. Two demons strategizing how to tempt people. And uh, if you've read the book before, it's about, uh, more specifically, a senior demon writing to a junior demon saying, hey, this is how people work. This is how you can get them. This is how you can trap them. Um, and so, uh, but, but it, was, it, was, uh, it resonated with so many people and uh, just had such an impact on the culture um, and a lot of people were citing its relevance to C.S. Lewis's being an expert in medieval history. So he's just an, he was just an expert in medieval literature and medieval theology. And they were saying it was so relevant. All these examples just talk about all the inner struggles, that just, and they just resonate so true. It has to be because of his wealth of knowledge in understanding uh, medieval uh, theology and literature. But C.S. Lewis shot back and said, no, 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 that's not where... I got my source material. There is an equally reliable way of learning how temptation works, he said. My own heart. I need no others to show me the way of the wickedness of the ungodly. Now, that's a really humble thing to say, of course, and it can only be said by somebody who understands the power that pride can have in their own life. Uh, I have to admit that as I was preparing for today's message this week, I started by thinking, oh, hey, what a great topic for you guys, you know, for the church. <laughs> this is going to be great. You guys are going to be blessed by this. And, but the more I was thinking about it, the more I was wrestling with it, I was like, oh, boy, this is something I need. Um, and so we're going to be in this together. Um, which I think is sort of the point, as we look at all these verses just kind of across Proverbs, and we can't hit all of the, 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 the verses in the book of Proverbs about pride, but what I believe we'll see here in these verses, this umbrella thought, is that pride is undoubtedly one of the greatest enemies that we underestimate. It's just an enemy, an enemy that we just completely underestimate, uh, but, but we need to, th- to think about it and take it seriously. Uh, quoting C.S. Lewis once again, uh, he dedicated one chapter in his book, Mere Christianity, just a great Christian work, which, which by the way, we, we hand out at our, at our welcome table. If you're interested in learning more about Jesus, you can, you can ask them back there. Uh, we have that book on display. But here's what he wrote. He said, there is one vice, and this will be on your screen, of which no man in the world is free. 
which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I'm talking about is pride. Uh, Pride is no doubt, as I've said, one of our most underestimated enemies. Therefore, it is absolutely critical that we begin to understand it more fully and come to grips with it, wrestle with it in terms of the impact it can have in our own lives. Um, So we're going to be talking about pride today, and if you, like me, earlier this week is thinking, oh good, I'm so glad so-and-so is here to hear this message, (laughs) I would say you need to especially lean in (laughs) by definition and listen here, Uh, and not for so-and-so, but but for yourself and for for, for myself. Uh, What we see here in the Proverbs are three things, how pride hurts our own lives, how it hurts us, how pride hurts our relationship with others, and how it hurts our relationship with God. We're going to consider these things and then consider how we can, what we can do about it. Uh, so let me pray, and then we'll, then we'll jump in. Father, uh, what a big topic, pride. What, what a deep topic. Uh, Father, if, if, if it were possible, we ask actually for an extra measure of your Spirit today to understand these things. Uh, we pray that you would uh, help us understand what you'd have here for us, um, if it's to convict our hearts, would you, con- would you convict our hearts? Um, but Lord, we also pray for the freedom of the gospel in helping us consider these things and moving not by pride, but moving by humility, even your humility. But we recognize even at the top here that this is, this is no small task and no easy thing. So we ask for your help. And I, and I ask for your spirit as, we, as, as I teach these things. May they be uh, your words, not mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so number one, how pride hurts us, how it hurts our own lives. So Proverbs 16, verses 5 and uh, 18. So Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So what commentators point out here is to notice that it does not say, you know, pride might lead to destruction or pride could potentially lead to destruction. It says, of course, Pride will lead to destruction. Pride goes before the fall. And so what's important here to notice is that when this type of destruction comes into our lives, it will not have come out of nowhere, okay? Pride will have led up to it, uh, which I think is important for us to notice because that helps us understand something very important about pride, and that is we can easily be blind to it. Uh, How many of us ever thought, you know, wow, that's something I struggle with, pride, (laughs) you know? At the same time, how many of us have thought of that person struggles with pride? Um, it's just so easy to see in others and yet not see in ourselves. Or think of it this way, uh, and maybe this is just my own experience, but I have found that the most humble people in my life are the quickest and more, most able and willing to recognize that they themselves are proud. The most humble of people identify pride in themselves. It's really easy to be blind to pride and not see its effects in our lives. And one of the reasons for this, the, the, the uh, King Solomon, as he's sharing this wisdom, uh, shows us that it's because it's hard for us to receive feedback. Uh, look at this in, in Proverbs 13, 18. Whoever disregards discipline comes to pro- poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. That is to say that pride makes it really hard for us to see when we're wrong or, or to admit our mistakes, that it's really easy for us to blame others with all the things going, going wrong or off in our lives. Uh, have you ever noticed that maybe you've been, uh, when maybe you've been in a heated uh, conflict with somebody, 
maybe they're heated uh, back at you. So, you know, there's, you know, you're upset, they're upset. How easy it is and how natural it is to focus on all the ways that they're wrong, right? I find this really fascinating. I mean, this is true of me. I'll be in a heated argument with somebody or whatever it might be, and it is really easy for me to bing, 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 come up with a list of all the ways that they've messed up, all the ways that they're wrong in that situation. Uh, I don't have to take much time, and that list will be quite long, right? Meanwhile, if I were to make a list of myself and my own contribution, it would take me much longer, and that list at the end would be much shorter. While at the same exact time, if you look at the other person who's upset with me, they could quickly, bing, 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 come up with all the mistakes that I've done. That list would be sh- take a short amount of time for them to put together, and it would be quite long. And yet, if they were to put together a list for themselves in ways in which they were wrong, it would take them much longer, and their list would be much shorter. Is, is that just me? Have you guys experienced that? Well, why is that? Uh, the answer to that, of course, is pride. Um, Pride distorts our view of reality and makes it hard for us to respond in ways that's helpful for others or even helpful for ourselves. Pastor and author author, uh, Tim Tim Keller talks about how pride can make us become really touchy, is how he puts it. Um, We see this actually in, in Proverbs 19, verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So the Hebrew word there for patience uh, literally means a relaxed face uh, rather than one that instantly snarls when provoked. So think about an injury that you have, and if, if someone were to come and you know, uh, go to touch that injury, what would you do? You'd, you'd, you'd recoil. You wouldn't want that, that to happen. Same deal. If someone comes to you and says something, maybe it is more of an, of, of an affront. Maybe it is more offensive in nature. Maybe it's not, but we tend to recoil. How dare you? We get defensive. We can't receive correction. Um, patience, on the other hand, is being slow to respond so that we can act as opposed to react. Uh, pride hurts us. It hurts our lives. And so often this happens right under our noses. We're just blind to it. Uh, we don't even recognize it in ourselves. So here's some questions to get us thinking about this, okay? Just to kind of let it kind of sink in, sit for us to sit in it and kind of consider it in our own lives. Where might pride be present in your life? Or in what relationships might it be there? And if you were to pause and consider this, again, we're not thinking about pride, uh, you know, thinking about uh, the relationship in terms of what they contribute to the problem, but just what we contribute or where pride exists in our own lives or in our own way that we are bringing into that relationship. How might, be, how might pride be present? Because what I have found, at least for myself, and I think to be human nature, is we so often can purely or primarily just think about it in terms of the other and not in terms of ourselves. So we need to think about it in terms of ourselves. The second question is, how are you at receiving correction or feedback? Uh, how are you at receiving correction or feedback? Think of the last time a family member or spouse or manager or coworker uh, told you something about something that you did that hurt them, maybe. Or maybe they shared a way that you could improve or become a better team player. Uh, what was your reaction? Um, did you welcome that thought? Or did you dismiss it before even consideration? Or maybe, even worse, did you just recoil on the spot? Uh, Pride is one of our most underestimated enemies. And it begins with hurting ourselves. There are so many ways that we can grow as people. We can develop as people. We can become better uh, uh, fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, uh, loved ones of others, friends, coworkers, you name it, neighbors. And yet, what is getting in our way? Pride. So pride hurts us. 
Number two, pride hurts our relationship with others. Uh, look at verse, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 12. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Uh, this teaches us something very interesting about pride. Uh, to deride means uh, literally to express contempt for. It means to ridicule. Um, it has been said that it's one thing to take pride in one's work or one's own possessions, the things that we do or the things that we have, but it is sinful pride to take delight in the fact that what we have or what we do is better or greater. Uh, that's what pride is. It's not so much delighting in what we have or what we've been able to accomplish, but it's delighting in being able to have done it better or, or more fully than someone else. Uh, there's quite a few places throughout the book of Proverbs that talks about haughty eyes. Uh, beware of haughty eyes. And there's, there's a Hebrew uh, term for you. What does that mean? Uh, in the Hebrew, it actually means to literally raise your pupils at somebody, just to kind of look over them disdainfully. Uh, it means to just, between haughty eyes and deride, to deride somebody, is, is just to look at them and say, you know what, you're not worth the effort. You're not worth the time. You know what? What you're bringing to this argument doesn't even matter. Or it's not even as important as what, I, what I'm bringing to the, the equation. It means to belittle is essentially what it means. It means to look down on others. Uh, has, has this ever been true of you? Uh, to belittle or to look down on others? To just believe so firmly, just to, to have determined that you're so right and they're so wrong that now you're treating them with just a little less dignity? Uh, we can do that with our most close loved ones. Uh, let alone people that we uh, have more of an issue on an ongoing basis with elsewhere. Um, we can determine that we're right. We can, te- we can treat, treat people with less dignity just in our spirits, harboring it when they're not around, with resentment, with anger, or with them, passive-aggressively, or just outright. Uh, it, can, it can happen in any number of ways. I, I have a mentor, a pastor of a large church who's just been through the ringer in life. I mean, we're talking in terms of his marriage, in terms of his family, has been through some really, really hard things, and it's amazing that he's still going so strong to to serve so many people. Uh, He once said this. He said this about marriage, but I I think it applies to all all of our relationships. He said, I have discovered it is not, uh, being right is not always what's right. I have discovered that being right is not always what's right. Uh, for some of us, we don't need to hear anything else in this sermon. <laughs> That's all we need. Being right is not always what's right. Um, look at Proverbs verse thir- uh, chapter 13, verse 10. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there's strife, there is pride. Uh, I will work with... Uh, couples as they're getting ready to get married with premarital counseling. And there's any number of topics that I can cover, right, in premarital counseling. I mean, marriage is such a big subject matter, right? But one topic that I always, I always hit, no matter what, is the topic of conflict resolution, because conflict's going to happen, right? Um, and so what, I, what I'll do is just kind of work through kind of the, our natural tendencies our natural human tendencies when it comes when conflict arises. What do we do naturally when conflict arises? Well, number one, we can uh, withdraw. That is to say, you know what? This conflict, I can't stand it. I don't want to be any more part of it. I'm out of here. And so we withdraw, whether that's physically or emotionally. Like you're there, but you're not there, right? Conversation's not happening. 
And what happens when we withdraw in conflict is we're, we're valuing our, our own needs very little. We're just saying it's not worth talking about. And we're valuing, valuing the relationship very little. It's not worth talking about. Or what we'll do instead of withdraw is we'll yield. And that is, hey, I have my needs in this argument, in this conflict, but I'm just going to give in so that we don't have to fight anymore. It's just not worth it. Um, And what you see there is that might superficially sound like it's valuing the relationship more, and in some senses it is, even as it's not valuing your own needs. But ultimately, and we don't need experts to show us this, it isn't valuing the relationship a lot because what happens when we suppress our own needs? They end up bubbling up, pressuring out, and just spilling over in more unhealthy ways later. So we withdraw, we yield, and then here's another natural tendency. We want to win in conflict. Any of you guys want to win? That is, it's my needs, and I don't care what you say, right? I just, it's my needs, and I'm not going to listen to it. There's the haughty eyes, right? All this has a little bit of haughty eyes. All this has a little bit of derision. It's saying, you know what? I, it, it's, it's valuing our own needs a lot, which that's, you know, don't misunderstand me. Our needs need, you know, need to be addressed. We need to think about those. But when we say, you know, I'm just going to win this argument, we are not valuing the relationship hardly at all. Does that make sense? And so what happens there? We're saying, you know what? My needs matter more than you. And so what happens is pride begins to hurt our relationships. That's not hard to see. It, be, it can begin to erode, even destroy, pride can, the best of friendships, work relationships, marriages. Uh, you know, when we say, you know, when we have this idea of haughty eyes, this, this glance upwards of, oh, you, you, don't, you know, uh, what you bring to the table doesn't even matter, uh, what are we doing to the relationship in that instance. We are, we are making it impossible for ourselves to see the other for who they are. We are making it impossible for us to love them for where they're at. We are making it impossible for us to put ourselves in their shoes. We're making it impossible for us to actually love through sympathy. And so pride can get in the way and it can be destructive. So here's an exercise to think about. Um, maybe you're in the midst of an argument right now. Maybe you, know, you find yourself at some point uh, in the future in an argument. Instead of just listing out, at least mentally, all the ways in which that person has you know, done you wrong, what if you, next time you're there, list out all the ways that person is hurting as a person? What if you list out all the ways in which that person can be loved and cared for, even having, through you, grace extended to them and love extended to them the way Jesus did with us. Uh, pride gets in the way of all of that. It can hurt our relationships. Uh, here are a couple questions for us to consider before moving on to our last thought. What kind of person is it hard for you to get along with? You know, what, what kind of person is, is it hard for you to get along with? And again, not because of what they bring to the table, but because of your internal disposition towards them or that type of person. Why are they hard to get along with and what can you do about it? And then here's another question. Is there someone who is criticizing you or opposing you? What can you do to try to disarm that? Uh, not by putting them in their place, by, but by extending them love and grace. Uh, so pride hurts us. Pride hurts our relationship with others. And then finally, pride hurts our relationship with God. Look at Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19. So pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit than with the oppressed. Uh, better to be lowly along, uh, excuse me, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Uh, of all the verses this week that I had to kind of think about and just kind of get my mind around, it was this verse. 
because I think deep down in my heart, hearing it's better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder in the proud, deep down in my heart, I believe that's true. There's something about me deep down that's like, that rings true, but here's what I feel at the surface, and here's what I believe most of our culture would say. Actually, though, I think I'd actually prefer the plunder with the proud. Then to be lowly in spirit with the oppressed? Ask someone later today, would you rather be proud, you know, share the plunder? We, we don't think that way. We don't operate that way. But something deep down in my spirit was like, you know what, but it makes, that's, that's the way it should be. So then, what is, what is King Solomon saying here? How do we get our heads around that? What we find is that understanding pride and its effects in our lives doesn't just have practical reasons attached to it. What we find is it also has transcendent reasons for it. Uh, D.A. Carson, a, a theologian and commentator, talks about how it is, it is vital that as we read this scripture, we remember that the, at the center of everything is a triune God, you know, th- one being, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who is only and ever glorifying one another and extending love to each other. And to recognize that helps us understand, as D.A. Carson would put it, is at the very center of all life and who we are meant to be is this other-oriented love. Uh, we are to be others-oriented in, 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 our, in our love, which means if we go about trying to receive recognition for ourselves, to get it for ourselves, to get glory for ourselves, rather than giving it to others, rather than serving others, it means we are out of sync with the way God has designed us to be, how he made this world to be. And so King Solomon says, it is better to be lowly in spirit with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. And the Bible says that eventually God is going to lift up the humble, even as he is going to put down the proud. So here's a question. If God wants us to so identify with the oppressed by being lowly in spirit, why should we then hate it so much when we don't get recognized or treated as we feel we deserve? Pride is an enemy that we can just so underestimate. It hurts us. It hurts our relationships with others. It hurts our relationship with God. Here's the tension I've been feeling all this week, and even as I'm up here right now. This tension of deep down, I realize that pride has an incredible grip in my own life, and I don't want it to be so, but I see it affecting myself, my relationships, even my relationship with God. So what is the answer? What can we do about this? Here are two thoughts as we, as we uh, close our time together, as we think about what we can do about this big issue of pride and its, its nature in our lives. Uh, coming back to our friend C.S. Lewis one more time, uh, in his great chapter on pride in mere Christianity, he comes to the same conclusion of this is a big topic. Pride is something we can't, none of us can get our, our, our minds around completely, discipline ourselves through fully. But he says this, he says, if there's one place to start, I think I can tell you the way. Here's how you start to remove pride from your life. You recognize that you're proud. In fact, he ends that chapter by saying, if if you don't think that you're proud, you are proud indeed. Friends, the first thing that we do when it comes to all of this is recognize that this is a problem for us, that we are proud. And for the Christ followers here, what that means is going to God and saying, God, I'm a sinner. I am proud and I need your help. Um, That's the first thought of what we can do with this big, deep issue of pride and the effect it can have in our lives, to recognize it, to own it. Number two, and even more importantly, 
I would say, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, I hope I've done an, at least an okay job in this teaching today to convey this, but if there's anything here that's been so impressed upon my heart, it's that pride has an impact in our lives. We all deeply struggle with it. We all feel we know better. We all feel that idea won't work. It's lame. You're lame. You might not say it that way, but that's how we function. We all feel, who are you to talk about that? Who made you the authority over this argument? We all feel, I deserve, and so on and so forth. There's pride in each and every one of us. You know what's also awesome? There's pride in each and every person in the Bible. I mean, you start with Adam and Eve. The first thing they did was an act out of pride. And then you go to Abraham, the first chosen one. Pride. You go to Moses. Pride. You go to King Solomon, who wrote the words we're talking about. Pride. He he struggles with pride. You get to Peter, James, and John, Jesus' closest disciples. Pride, pride, and pride. There is pride on every page of this Bible, which in some ways is really reassuring. There is pride in every character of the Bible, save one. Uh, Paul, writing to the early church in Philippi, was talking to them about this. He was saying, hey, you need to put the needs of others above your own. And then he just kind of had this moment in, this, in the middle of this letter, you can read it, this is Philippians 2, where he just said, you know what, you guys are, I'm telling you to be selfless and look for the needs of others, but that motivate, you know, just saying do that is not going to help. I need to give you some good motivation. And what has he said? What, did he, what does he say? He said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being found in appearance as a person, he humbled himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. Uh, here is an awesome thing that you can consider doing in your study of the, of the Bible maybe even this week, I think I'm going to do this, is to go back and look at the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how pride was just not an issue for him. And each and every one of us, pride is an issue. And each and every one other character in the Bible, pride is an issue, but never with Jesus. When he came, he made himself lowly in spirit and spent so much of his time with the oppressed, with the orphan, with the, with the widow, with the, with, the, with the immigrant, uh, with the people who society saw as outcasts. I mean, he even took flack for it. People would come and deride Jesus for it. How dare you spend time with the prostitutes, those sinners? The Pharisees would call him out. And how did Jesus respond? Did he recoil at that? Did he get defensive? No. He just said, no. This is why I've come, to love them. And then a couple pages later, you see him spending time with the Pharisees with the bigots, loving them. He doesn't judge the judger. He spends time with them. Uh, To condone their ways? Of course not. But to show that his love is for them too. He made himself lowly in all these ways, even when people brought their haughtiness towards him. Uh, There was never any strife in him, uh, even as everybody was accusing him wrongly, falsely, even to the point of sending him to the cross. Which, why did he go to the cross? to die for your pride and mine. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so, I say to you and I say to myself, if you're wanting to take a step to take, at, take aim at pride in your life, start here. Start by recognizing that pride is in you. 
as it is in me. It's in all of us. And it's deeply rooted. In fact, it's, it's essentially the root of all the other things that we do. Start there by seeing that, recognizing it, owning it, bringing it before the Lord. And more importantly, look to Jesus and what he's done for you. Dying for your, in humility for your pride. Um, and why did he do that? Of course, so that he could lift up the humble. Uh, you know, the end of that, those verses I was quoting is he, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God gave him the name that is above all names. That is how our Father works. He is lifting up the humble. How will he lift you up? Is if you make yourself lowly and say, I, I struggle with pride. I need the forgiveness of what Jesus has done for me to lift me up. Uh, for some of you, for, actually for all of us, I'm just going to say it, this is not easy. For some of you, though, right now, it's especially not easy because you're in it with somebody, and it's challenging. That person's grating at you. It's, it's, it's frustrating, whatever it might be. But you can look to Jesus. You can receive what he has done for you. You can recognize that he was treated the way that you deserve such that, and giving you and treating you in the way that you don't deserve such that you can extend that love and grace to others. Look to Jesus who did this all for you and receive his promise that in him and in his humility, he will bring you honor and he will lift you up. Uh, let's pray. Father, again, we just, we just say that what a big topic. What a heavy, meaty topic. What a topic that if we're real about it, if we're honest about it, we just recognize pride has its effect in our lives. And in all aspects. It, it hurts us. It hurts our relationships with our loved ones, with the people we room with, the people we work with, our, our kids, and, and all the rest of it. Our relationships even here at the church. Um, we recognize that it has effects on us, and we recognize that it hurts our relationship with you, and Father, we just say, we're sorry. We're so sorry that we put ourselves in front of you and so many others so regularly, and we just, we just ask for your help. We need humility, but not false humility. We need your humility. That we can love and care for those who don't deserve it, even as we don't deserve it. That's the gospel, Father, that you died for us. You sent your son to die for us in humility to take care of our pride. So we love you, Father. Would you, would you help us be a church marked not by pride but by humility? Would you help us be a people marked not by pride but by humility? And, Father, now as we come to your table to celebrate uh, communion, Lord, would you just uh, give us your spirit and would you help us just to remember the ways in which you made yourself low to lift us up. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.